Before I hand over to our chairman to give a report back from the Retirement Matters Committee, um, I'd just like to once again thank our sponsors, Alexander Forbes, um, as well as Arjun Retirement um, Actuarial Solutions for their, for their sponsorship today. Um, we sincerely appreciate it, and uh, without your sponsorship, events such as this uh, would, not, would not take place. I'd also like to thank our speakers. Um, I think you'll all agree that the speakers have put in an ex a tremendous effort in um, presenting to us today. The topics have been really insightful, very thought-provoking, and the presentation is really interesting. So um, I'd like to, to applaud the speakers for, for everything that they did in, in helping us uh, structure a day today, which I think um, was, was really useful. Um, I'd also like to thank you, the audience, for your participation and your attendance. I know that um, to spend an entire day out the office um, is, is, is not an easy feat, um, uh, but hopefully you found this, the session uh, really useful, and we look forward to your further participation in events to come. I did mention that there's going to be a session in, in September to cover the retirement reform proposals. Um, please, make a, please make every effort to attend. We'll, we'll have uh, sessions um, uh, in Johannesburg, Pretoria, as well as in Cape Town, um, and the dates are from the 8th to the 10th of September. Um, uh, last but not least, I'd like to introduce to you um, Natasha Hagatenshi, who's our, our chairperson. Um, Natasha is, is um, she has a B, uh, a B business science degree. Um, she's a, a fellow of the Institute of Actuaries. She's also a fellow of the Actuarial Society of South Africa. She's got uh, in excess of 20 years' experience in the employee benefits industry. She started her career at Sunlam, where she worked for five years in the division, which ultimately was known or became known as Semeca. She then spent two years at Jacques Malan Consulting Actuaries before joining NMG in 2001. Um, she's an approved valuator of both defined benefit as well as defined contribution retirement funds, as well as an approved liquidator. Um, as I mentioned, she's also the current chair of the Retirement Matters Committee of the Actuarial Society of South Africa. She's been involved in a number of uh, subcommittees, giving feedback to National Treasury as well as the FSB on matters relating to the proposed retirement reform process. She's married to a school teacher and has two beautiful little girls aged five and seven who keep her awake at night. So, Natasha, over to you. Thanks very much. Thank you, Costa. Um, and yeah, I, I, oh, I <laughs> uh, on my slides as well. Below Kim, I believe. Ah, perfect. That's it. All right. So thank you very much, everyone. Um, as I said, I'm aware that I'm the last thing standing between you and a cold beer or a nice glass of our Cape's finest wine, so I will be as quick as I can. All right. So. On agenda, just some update on committee structures and who our members are, um, just some of the activities we've been involved in um, covering four, basically four of our main, main subcommittees. I'm not going to give feedback on, on the fifth committee, which is headed by Costa, and that, I mean, that's effectively today's proceedings. And just some discussion on some issues. I don't know if Morris is still here, if he's... Who's dis disappeared? So we've. I've, I'm kind of. I've, I've raised a few and asked a few questions, and Kim's still here as well. We've kind of had a few controversial issues. So I, I thought I'd ask the audience a little bit of, of questions on, on things that have been been provoking us. So we have uh, obviously the main committee, um, and then we have five standing subcommittees. Uh, one dealing with actuarial guidance and legislation. Uh, one dealing with events and sessional meetings. Uh, evaluated practicing certificates. 
the education, and then we decided to set up a, a new one on accounting standards that always fell historically under the actual guidance and legislation, but it's kind of become a big enough topic on its own. And then we have various representatives on the, on the various other uh, practice committees and, and things where we, we just give liaison. Um, we have main members, we've got co-opted members, we've got volunteers, um, we have representatives from most of the major consultancies and insurers, and we've now got Joanna joining us from an education point of view, which we're very pleased about, because that's always been an aspect I think that we've been lacking. We've got some F uh, representatives from the FSB and Neil Faree from ASA. So just the names, myself, the chair, uh, Costa, who's our vice chair and um, deals is the head of our events uh, subcommittee, Andre Besaden-Hote, uh, Gary, um, Andre Kruger, Gary Velsich, Gavin Finch, Julia, Joanna, who's now joining us in education chair. She's kind of been thrown in the day for the DC. <coughs> Marius, Maya, um, and then all of those. Michael, Mick, Neil, Sinel, Sean, Tommy, and then uh, three co-opted members. So it's a big committee. We're very busy. Um, we're very active, um, and, and everyone works, works extremely hard. Um, our evaluator uh, subcommittee is very busy. We, we evaluate a renewal come up every four years. Um, and um, so just a reminder on the rules, which I mean they are on the website. But we, have, we obviously have to comply with CPD requirements to be evaluator, which is 10 hours verifiable and relevant CPD. Um, three years experience for DB and only two for DC and of which the, the experience must be relevant, it must be one year, it must have been in the last three years, it must be in South Africa. And you need to have co-signed five or three valuations, um, uh, and you need to meet the fit and proper requirements, no unprofessional conduct, and obviously if it's a new application, you are tested to by a senior evaluator. Problem is that we are, sorry, I'm missing a point there, um, there are insufficient DB funds, obviously, and we, we, we're getting to the stage where we can't broadly apply the criteria. People might not necessarily have signed uh, the same three funds, um, and, and so we're having to, to more and more apply some discretion. Um, and so, so we, yeah, we, we're having to, to deal with sometimes, you know, evaluators are listing four funds, but of which it's the same fund that they've signed, you know, the 2010 and the 2013 valuation in the last four years. So that is, that is a, a, a problem. Um, and we're also finding evaluators submitting applications with, with insufficient um, CPD. Um, so it's not enough, potentially, pension CPD, not sufficient relevant CPD. Um, and, and we've kind of had a bit of a case of, of someone who, who submitted using a, a webinar and came that as verifiable, and we, we've had to go to, to the, we go to the AGB, I think, to get an issue on that. So uh, on the weekend, I watched a rerun of Jerry Maguire. So help us help you. Um, please, when you do submit your applications, please provide as much uh, detail on, on your applications as possible. Ah, oh, there we go. Sorry, my points were right there. So, so we, we do accept peer review on, on reports if you're not si co-signing, um, but it must be meaningful and involved peer review. You can't just have read the report. Um, and we do accept co-signed reports. You don't have to be the primary evaluator. Um, so that's particularly for DB funds. So I've kind of just also thought about, you know, do we 
do we need to be as strict? If you've been evaluated for 20 years, you know, do we need to strictly stick to the three-criteria three rule? Um, and so I thought I'd just ask that, that audience response um, on that one. Sorry, Bob. So if you're a DB, what do you think we, we should... How many evaluation reports do you think we should apply? So we, we kind of anchored on our expectation of three, which is fine. But yeah, I mean, there is obviously a feeling that, that, that less than three is relevant. Um, and as I said, we are, we are having to, to apply that. Uh, same question, but for DC valuation. So, I suppose slightly more, more feeling that you, you don't need as much experience. I, yeah, personally, I think DC valuations have other issues which aren't necessary in the statutory report, um, which we need to deal with. All right, and then just on, on CPD hours, um, do you think that 10 hours is correct? Uh, should we have 20, or should we have a, a personal developed plan and it shouldn't be based on hours? We should just be able to... So, so most of us still think we need, we need our 10 hours. So I'm pleased you're all here, earning six, six of those. <laughs> all right. Okay, so legislatively we've been very busy um, since the last... Um, uh, let me go back there. We've, we've been involved with issues on the point of evaluator. Uh, the FSB's issued uh, notice on their minimum funding requirements, two versions which we've commented on. Um, we did give some input into the retail distribution view and we've given some, some impact, uh, sorry, feedback to SAICA on the exposure draft dealing with, with IS-19. Uh, we've got the appointment evaluator coming, has just been issued again, uh, some minor changes which we need to give feedback by on the 14th of August. National Treasury has issued their paper on default annuities, um, which we need to give feedback by the end of September. Mayo is, um, he's just, he was in the corner there, he's disappeared. He, he's uh, responsible for coordinating that. And then, as Costa has mentioned, we will have some f uh, feedback on sessionals on those um, in September. And then we also need to give feedback again to Treasury on the T-Lab, which is due by the 24th of August. So we are going to have a very busy um, uh, well, month ahead, and if you could all just please, through your respective employer channels or whatever, please, please do give feedback, because it is important. We didn't comment on the wind-up and cancellation of funds, and I'm still, it's, it's something which is, is kind of worrying me still, because there are issues affecting valuators, funds that should have been deregistered, and now, you know, suddenly three years have ticked by, and now we've got to do another valuation, and there's no money, and so we, we are having to, to deal with that. Um, uh, so, so just on, I thought I'd just kind of gauge the feel for where are we as valuators in terms of, of um, the discount rates we're using, and because it was relevant for the minimum funding uh, things that Morris um, has been putting forward. So, kind of, what are you? And just to change, what 
what valuation bases were you using at SAD? So risk-free rate, uh, some kind of equity risk premium, kind of in a range um, at SAD. So most, most kind of coming in at a risk-free of one and a half to two and a half kind of range. Um, and, and there are some, some higher, some higher. Okay. All right, and then same question, what are you doing currently? Have you changed? So similar. So there, there hasn't. So it, it kind of, you know, if, if you've got an equity risk premium, you're kind of applying the, the, same, the same basis. All right. That was just for interest. Um, okay. Sounds are definitely coming in funny. Um, all right. So, what do you consider a fund to be financially sound? If its assets are greater than its liabilities, but you're not explicitly funding your minimum individual reserve or your contingency reserve accounts. Assets less greater than your best estimate liabilities, but you are funding um, uh, your minimum reserves, but not necessarily your contingencies. Or the third, you're funding your best estimates, your MIRs, and your contingency reserve accounts. So that, yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, that's, I mean, ignore, yeah, that, that's pretty much what the act says, I suppose, so we, we, we are there. <laughs> but interesting that some people are taking a, a different view. And then, you know, when does a fund have a surplus, a similar question. Um, so distinguishing between financially sound versus a surplus. So that, I mean, I think that's, that's fa fairly standard. We're all kind of thinking the same way. Um, all right, so, but, you know, the, the question is, do we need, do you think we need to have an additional minimum funding requirements? Um, and I've kind of asked, said, no, we don't think so. Evaluation of the basis are sufficiently strong. No, it will just cause more confusion amongst trustees and increased costs. Yes, it will create a more consistent valuation methodology or yes, because there are too many cowboys actors out there using inappropriate valuation bases. Okay, so fa fairly, fairly divided between a yes and no. Um, so we'll, we'll see, Morris. I thought that was just interesting for you to see what, what the... All right, so I don't think I'm going to go into too much detail on the accounting. We did have a, a really uh, robust session with Kim. Um, we, we do have a meeting on the 24th of August with Saika. Um, whether or not we're going to have our issues sufficiently dealt with or not um, is, is going to be, yeah, 
remains to be seen. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the real issue is to what extent, I suppose it is clear, the accounting standard is clear, but it's, it's really, you know, to what extent is, is it material? I mean, we had a, a, a case with a huge, you know, huge drama and we had to redo and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in the end it was, it came out in the unders and overs and huge costs incurred for, for immaterial uh, changes. So we will see. Um, I had put some audience response in. I suppose we can do it since we're here. Um, so the issue is, you know, if, you, if your pension increases are limited to affordability, what rate would you discount it if the code permitted it? Um, so uh, sorry, there's four, chain, four options. Risk-free, risk-free plus a margin, risk-free plus your equity, or risk-free, yeah, equity at a lower basis, or... So there's quite a feeling that we should stick to what we're funding, um, and, and you know, yeah, more, more than 50 percent of us would, would do that if we were permitted to, um, which is interesting. Which is why we're having the debate. <laughs> All right, and then if there's the issue of the pensioner account, should we or should we not write up or down to the um, the assets in the pensioner account? Um, so. Basically, the question is, do we account for it, or do we write it up to the value of the assets? So in other words, recognize the pensioner surplus, or alternatively, do we <coughs> write up and down if the assets uh, permit it? I mean, I think that's clear. I, think if you, I mean, I do kind of think if you're going to write them up, you're going to write them down. Um, but yeah, we, we are tending to have to, to stick with option A. All right. My last thing is on... on oh, oopsie, sorry. Going too quickly here. Um, uh, so syllabus and core reading is currently under review. Um, we are concerned with the pass rate. Um, no candidates passed F104 and three candidates passed F204. Um, and uh, I mean, the other, plus, the other subjects were around 30 plus. So, I mean, I, I do take the point that F204 also had the 30 plus pass rate. Um, but it's also concerning that the number of candidates who are actually presenting themselves for pensions. And I think Mario said to me, he, when he comes to the pensions conference, he, he knows the faces because we've all been around for, for a number of years. So we're not getting the new blood into, the, into our industry. Um, and I've kind of got one or two slides just to see you know, why, why do we think that is? Um, so, yeah, why do you think we've got a, a poor pass rate? Are our candidates unprepared? Is our material bad? Too difficult? Or are our examiners too strict? <laughs> Spoken like a true marker. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally, I think there's an, there's an aspect on, on point C, but we'll, we'll deal with that. And why are we not getting our candidates to write exams? I mean, we, pensions is now a wider field at the ASA conference, not a core subject anymore. Um, so what, what, is, what is your views? Um, point E I added in response to your <laughs> quick change on the slides. 
It's, uh, 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 yeah, personally, I think you're wrong, because when the DBDC conversions happened, we'll, uh, we all thought we didn't, wouldn't have jobs either, and we're still here 20 years later. All right, that's it from myself. Um, just some, some feedback from the, from the Retirement Matters Committee. And it just leaves me with one last thing to uh, thank Costa very much for his uh, organization of today's events. Um, I think you'll agree it's gone off very well. And um, we look forward to joining you outside for some cocktails and, and drinks. Thank you. Thank you, Costa. Thank you.